Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of City Harvest Church, Orange County. To find out more about City Harvest or Pastor Derek, please visit chcus.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at chcus and derekdunnoc. Title of my message today is, Are You a Victor or a Victim? Come on. Are you a victor or a victim? We know we're called to be victors, right? Jesus said that, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Paul said that, that we're overcomers through the blood of the Lamb, through the word of our testimony in Revelations that tells us we overcome. But many Christians are not living overcoming lives. Many Christians are not living at victoriously. They're living as victims in their life. And so we've got to understand that, that Jesus said that old things have passed away, all things are new. But just because we've received positional righteousness, just because we're in right standing with God, if our mind is not renewed, we'll still live like we're under sin. I've traveled the nation, sometimes given altar calls, and if, if you've never accepted Jesus and you're a sinner, bow your head, every eye closed, ready up your hand, and we get people to come to the front, and I realize the same people are getting saved over and over again. Why? Because they don't have a revelation of salvation. And so we can be saved, we can be in right standing with God, we can be what the Bible says, seated in the heavenly places, far above principalities, power, powers of darkness, we're in a place of victory, but in our thinking, if we still have our stinking thinking, and we still have our negative way of thinking, we'll still live as slaves. We'll still live as bo in bondage. We'll still live as victims. And, and if we begin to, to meditate on something or, or develop a way of thinking, that becomes a stronghold. What does that mean? That means that our mind will always go back to that mindset. The children of Israel came out of Egypt, but Egypt didn't get out of them, and they still lived like slaves, even though they were free. They still thought they were small in the sight of the giants, and they never went into the land of milk and honey. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of Christians not being able to, 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 to receive the inheritance that God has for them. I'm tired of them living in, in poverty. I'm tired of living in debt. I'm tired of them living in broken relationships and not being able to move on. And so this morning I want to talk to you about how we need to be, get rid of that victimization mindset. And many times there's a spirit attached to it because as we begin to get a stronghold, what happens? We'll attract demons to us. If your mind is perverted, you're always thinking about lust and perversion, spirits of perversion will be attracted to you. If you're always thinking about victim, being a victim and always blaming other people, what will happen? A spirit of victimization will be attached to your life. And as we look at it today, you'll begin to see the spirit trying to operate. We live in a nation right now where everyone's a victim. We're all victims. We're all looking for someone to solve our problems. We're looking for government. Government needs to do something. Sometimes we pray and you know, we're like, God wants to bless me. God's going to cause men to give unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And when it doesn't happen, we get upset. Men didn't do it. Let me tell you how men are going to bless you. Get a job. Are you here? You gotta, if you don't work, the Bible says you're not going to eat. There's no free handouts in life. And thank God for help that we get and support that we get. But don't live as a victim. Don't be blaming someone else for your state of being. Are you here? So some of the results as we fall prey to victimization, what is it really about? It, it's about coming into a mindset where the spirit begins to, to demonstrate itself, where we lose sight of who we are in Christ as the church, 
and we begin to not take responsibility for our actions. Are you here? Let me give you some ways to spot this spirit and how it works, the victim spirit. Number one, I put up for you a few things. A victim spirit is heard in how we speak. If we're living as a victim or we're around people that, that are, are under this influence, what happens? They usually take every opportunity to just talk about their troubles and their negativity with others. And I met people like that, and sometimes we have to, through bits of discipleship, say, quit telling, talking about your test, make it a testimony. And some of the testimony, you share your testimony, but what do you do? You want sympathy. You're looking to, to move people through your testimony so they feel sorry for you because what does it do? It gets them to give you stuff. It gets them to, to, to look at you in a certain way. Are you here? And so what happens? It gives power and sometimes it can become a form of manipulation. How does the spirit work? A victim spirit is extremely self-centered. A, a person, <coughs> excuse me, under this influence, they rarely will ask anyone else, how are they doing? They're just absorbed with their own problem, absorbed with their own self. They get on the phone, they talk to somebody and they'll tell, and then they pick up the phone and talk to someone else. But they never ask, how's your day? What are you, how are you, what's, how are things going on with you? It's all about them. A victim spirit, someone under that operation is self-absorbed. They'll complain about everything that happens to them without owning their own part and taking responsibility. It's always a victim. Well, it's my parents. It's my boss. You know? We live in a victim. It's Trump's fault. Everything. There was a time. Everything. Oh, it's Trump. 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 Two years into office, it's still Trump's fault. Guy's not even been in politics for two years. It's Trump's fault. I'm not here to get political, but how many of you heard that? It's all. Well, come on. Someone else's fault. It's my father's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's, it's the, what did Adam do? The woman you gave me, Lord. It's your fault because you gave me the woman. And it's not your fault. It's her fault. But it's not my fault. But Adam didn't take responsibility. He was a victim because of what happened. But God spoke to Adam. He, instead of manning up when the woman's like, look at the tree. Look at the tree. It looks good to eat. He should have said, woman, quit looking at that tree. Let's go. Would have a whole different story. Are you here? The book of Genesis, and, and it would have been a different book. <laughs> but what happened? The woman said, oh, look at the tree. What was she? I'm a victim. I can't eat of the tree. There's one tree God says you can't eat of, and I'm a victim. Why doesn't God want me to eat of the tree? And so what she do? She starts feeling the victim. She starts getting upset with God. Why can't I eat of every tree? Why, why did God withhold that tree? And what happened? The enemy began to come and say, you see, God's trying to hold back from you. You're missing out. That's how deception worked. And she didn't take responsibility. Adam didn't take responsibility. They blamed God and sin has been rampant in the earth. And so we become a victim. It's God's fault. Why is bad things happening? I read the word of God. It's not happening the way I thought it would happen. My ministry's not going the way I thought it would go. Uh, my bank account's not what I thought it would be. The marriage I thought I was going to have is not what I thought it was going to be. My kids didn't, you know, come out of the womb speaking in tongues and prophesying and praising God. It's not how I thought it would be. And what do we do? We become the victim of our circumstances rather than taking responsibility over our decisions. Are you here? Well, I'm in debt and I'm supposed to be prospering. It's not God's fault. Come on. You get upset and uh, I'm not prospering. I'm in debt. It's Visa's fault. It's not Visa's fault. 
Because Visa, you have to swipe that thing for Visa to work. You know, Visa, MasterCard, you're like, who's Visa? <laughs> you get, it's not your credit card company's fault. It's you keep swiping. Some of us, we need to do plastic surgery, take a scissors and do plastic surgery on that card and take responsibility. Are you here? And we can make the wrong decisions and we're, we're not doing And then we're upset with God. You know, we're upset with the pastor. We're upset with Pastor Troy. He keeps telling me to give. Don't you know I'm, I'm struggling? And we start blaming everybody. All the church wants is my money. And we start blaming. We go from situation to situation, from job to job, from relationship to relationship without taking responsibility. Finally, a victim's spirit will cause them to hold on to every injustice, every hurt, every pain, and they refuse to let go. Injustice happens. How many of you have been wronged? Get over it. <laughs> Come on. I've experienced betrayal in ministry. So did Jesus. Stuff happens. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. It's not God's fault. It's Adam's fault. Don't blame God. This world is spiraling downward. And yes, we need to be the salt. We need to be light in the world. But this world is going to be destroyed one day because it's broken. Jesus is going to come back and the world earth is going to be destroyed by fire. Not by flood this time, but by fire. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because it's broken and he wants to create a new one. Are you here? And so we need to understand that so when stuff happens, people get angry with God. And, you know, someone was telling me this week, you know, I'm talking to this person and they're always like, well, if God is good, then why do people have car accidents? Why does this happen? Because people drive crazy. Yeah. It's not God's fault. Because people drink and drive. Because people take substance abuse and drive. Because people are texting on their phones and they're driving. It's not God's fault. It's the decisions of humanity. Don't blame God. And people need to take responsibility for their actions. Well, my relationships are upset. You know, it's the woman that you gave me. Well, treat her like a queen and she'll treat you like a king. Are you here? It's the man you gave me. He's not treating me. Well, quit trying to prophesy to him and read his mail and tell him everything wrong with him and minister to your husband. I didn't say that in the first service, but praise the Lord. Take responsibility for where you're at. And have we made mistakes? There's failure in relationship. We've made financial failures. I mean, I've, I, I've all the lists, I can check the dots. But don't be a victim there's restoration in God. There's healing in God. Well, I'm really suffering. You know, that man cheated on me. That was high school, 25 years ago. Are you here? Well, that woman, you know, she, she didn't treat me right. And, you know, I, women are all like that. Women are all Jezebel. No, they're not. Not every woman is a Jezebel. Jezebel is a spirit. It works through men too. And, 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 and yeah, there was a one bad woman, Jezebel. But there's also Ruth. There's also Esther. There's also, you know, Aquila. There's many godly women. Don't get in the place of victimization where you begin to hold back or, or you had a failure or someone didn't treat you right, whether it's a boss or even the church. We have church hurt. We're going from church to church. Oh, it's the pastor. You've had 10 pastors and you, history keeps repeating itself. It's not the pastor. Are you here? Well, my connect group leader. You visited every connect group in the church. Come on. 
Don't get a victim with a victim mindset. We can never get out of it. You see how it works and it keeps us down. Yes, do hurts happen? And if it's just happened, there's healing, there's restoration. But come on, God is a God who restores. Let's get healed. Let's get restored. Let's get healthy. Let's move forward and leave justice to God. God's a, the judge. Is, is, there's no perfect place to work. There's no perfect business. There's no perfect boss. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect connect group. Are you here? The church, let me tell you, the church was perfectly clean until you showed up. The cleaners came last night. You know, they log in. When people turn off the alarm, I get a text. This building was clean. The bathrooms were clean. The carpet was clean. And guess what? You dropped your little coffee on the carpet. And there's little spots there. I ain't even going to talk about the bathrooms. Are you here? When people show up. Life is messy. People are messy. Family is messy. Marriage is messy sometimes. It takes work. But guess what? In the midst of the things, don't be a victim. Be a victor. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Let me give you some Bible examples of, of victims. The, the, the biggest uh, uh, victim mindset was, was King Saul. Saul had every opportunity to have a huge success. But he blew it. He was the first king of Israel, so guess what? No one can compare him to another king. When you're first, come on, you're it. He, he, was, he was Israel's uh, king. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel, one of the greatest prophets. He was mentored in decision-making by Samuel. He was taller than everyone else. Come on. Tall, dark, and handsome. He had the looks. He had the bronze. He had the muscle. He was from a prestigious family. He, he was a great general. He was a great leader. He never lost one battle. He had the, everything that he needed to be a great king. But what was the problem? Prior to David killing Goliath, what happened? He played the harp for Saul. Because Saul was tormented by a spirit. And I believe one of the spirit of the spirit that tormented him was the spirit of victimization. Because it was never enough. He dealt with insecurity. He, he never embraced the role that he had for, from being a servant of God. And so what do we see? It showed itself several times. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Are you still with me? Yeah. In verse 7 it says, Saul remained in Gilgal and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he was finishing making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling in Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines have come down against me at Gilgal and I've not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. And Samuel said, you have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God that he gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you've not kept the Lord's command. So what happened? He breaks the clear commandment of God. Pre, uh, uh, kings don't make sacrifice. Priests and prophets do. 
And so what did he do? He got out of order. He got out of obedience. And instead of falling on his face when Samuel came and said, what have you done? He said, oh my gosh, I've made a mistake. Please forgive me, God. What does he do? It's because of the men that are scattering. Oh, because the enemies were coming. It's because you were late, prophet. Come on, the prophets are always late. Amen. They moved to a different timing. You were late, prophet. It's your fault that this happened. He never took responsibility. He was a victim. And because of that, he aborted his purpose and his kingdom fell short. In verse 11, he said, you didn't come. In verse 12, I felt compelled because of the people. He had the fear of man, but ultimately he blamed the people. He blamed the man of God, and he lost his kingdom. Many times we come, and what happens? Things are falling apart in our life. Things are a mess. We're never moving forward into our destiny because we keep blaming someone else instead of taking responsibility for our own life, our own actions. I was talking to Pastor Troy in the green room before, before the service. And he was telling me he was, he was preaching a while ago at a, at a service and, and these people wanted to meet him. And the pastor's like, oh, these people, they've got some issues because they always are wanting position. Wow. And what happened? There's people that come with position and they're wanting position. They want to do something. And guess what? They keep saying, well, nobody sees my gifting. Nobody sees my anointing. And Pastor Troy had to talk to them and say, hey, look, you're coming with the wrong way. You don't come in and say, this is what God called me to do in this church. You come in and say, I want to help build a church. How can I serve? But how many people, they come, and many times they want to get close to Pastor Susan. They come and like, if I can just get close to the pastors, I can get a position. But they don't want to get serve one another. They don't want to be in a connect group. They don't want to get close to the members. And we have to tell some people, look, we like you. You're great people, but just because I like you, I can't promote you. Because you've got to serve people. And if you have no relationship with the people you're called to serve, you can't have a position. That's not how leadership works in the kingdom. We become a servant of all. And as we serve one another, what happened? Our gift and our anointing, our specialty will come up. And guess what? Now people, they can see the gift in us. Now they're coming to us. Please pray for us. Please prophesy. Please speak word because you got faith. And then guess what? A position opens up because you have the influence and, and you're already doing the job before you get the title. That's how the kingdom works. And we have people going from church to church to church and nobody sees my gift. I'm just hidden. Why are you been hidden for 70 years? Come on, it's not about you being hidden. It's about the right thing and not coming before God saying, God, what's going on? So many highly gifted people that are not connected in the kingdom or they start their Facebook ministry and just happy to have a voice, but nobody's listening. You got two likes and nobody's listening. People have blocked you because of what you're saying. But I got a ministry. Come on, we got to get rid of this victimization. Come on, not everyone is bad. Are you here? There's a lot of great churches around. We're not the only church that loves Jesus and is trying to make disciples. There's a lot of churches all over. You know, don't ever think we're the only one. No, we're not the only one. God's raising up a remnant, but there's a lot of remnant out there. Are you here? We're a part of it, but there's a lot of churches out there. You got to identify with the vision, come in. But guess what? Once you join the family, how many of you know your no family is perfect? We all come from dysfunctional dysfunctional families. Come on, just go show up for Thanksgiving. Show up for the family reunion. We always got, you know, someone, they call it the black sheep in the family. There's no perfect family. We're not perfect, but we're still family and we love one another and we're committed to one another and we help each other to grow. Are you here? 
So we've got to overcome this mindset. Let's look at some positive examples. Joseph the dreamer. If anybody had a right to be a victim, it was Joseph. I mean, look at Joseph. What is he? He's the mama's boy. Mama bought him a nice jacket with many colors. And he looks at the brothers and he's like, look at me. Mama bought this for me. Daddy bought this for me. He loves me and he doesn't love you. <laughs> Joseph's immaturity. And, but Joseph had a gift, but no maturity. He didn't have humility. And so he dreams of his brothers bowing down before him. Now, come on. Some stuff you have dreams about, you don't need to be telling everybody. But he goes to them, I had a dream. You know, God speaks to me. And this is what he said, you're all bowing down. What was the issue in Joseph's life? Pride and immaturity. So his brothers sell him off as a slave. And he's put in a slave pit. And he's working in Potiphar's house. Remember the story. And guess what? He's pretty handsome. And so Potiphar's wife, when Potiphar's out working, looks at Joseph and, hey, Joseph. And tries to sleep with Joseph, seduce Joseph. And Joseph runs away, but she gets a little piece of his garment. And then now what? She's the victim. So she goes to Potiphar and say, you know, your servant, he tried to come into my room when you're not around and, and, and do indecent things. And now what? He ends up in the king's prison. But what? In the midst of all this, he comes to the place where he finally gets out of the prison. And he's there, and now his brothers come begging for food. And instead of being bitter, instead of, <laughs> God has delivered my enemy. Off with their heads. What does he do? Joseph comes and he begins to say this in Genesis 45. He said, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was all to save the lies that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But listen to this. What did he say? In verse 7, he said, but God. Someone say God. God. Not you. Not Potiphar's wife. Not the king. God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Is there a character flaw in our lives that we don't see sometimes? Is there an action or attitude in our life that we're blinded to? And so God allows us to come into situations where there puts pressure to grow. And we remove ourselves out of those situations at times. He had a revelation concerning God. And I'm not saying every pressure that comes is God. Sometimes it's just part of life. But how we react determines the level of godliness in our life. Yeah, yeah. When we're under pressure, what's in us comes out. And do we play the victim or are we the victor? Joseph was quick to acknowledge that God had favor upon him. And in the midst of all the things that he went through, God still brought breakthrough. And God was working in his character. God had a plan. All these things happened because he realized I had a pride issue. I had an immaturity issue. I had a wisdom issue because I shouldn't have been around the woman, man's wife when the man wasn't around. Come on. He realized and he took responsibility for even the hardships that happened to them because he was a victor. Let's look at another one. 
the Apostle Paul. Can we look at another one? Paul, if anyone even greater than Joseph had a negative resume, it was Paul. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 23, Paul says, I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged or beaten more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from the rivers, danger with the bandits, danger from my fellow Jews, danger with the Gentiles, a lot of danger. Danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false believers. He says, I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face with the pressure of my concern for the churches. If anybody could have blamed someone, it was the Paul. How many of you shouldn't stone somebody? How many of you know he didn't deserve to be beaten? How many know all, all that? But look at him. And what do we do? We're like, oh, we complain because we didn't have lunch. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse because you skipped breakfast. That's not suffering for Jesus. Are you here? He had every right to be a victim. He had every right to, 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 to do it. And he's not being proud here. He's not blaming people. He's not angry with God. He's not angry with the Jews. He's not en- angry with the Gentiles. He's not angry with the captain of the ship because the ship went down. What does he say in chapter 11, verse 21 of 2 Corinthians? He says, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? Later, Paul's in jail, in the Roman jail, and he lived out the last years of his life in prison. But he says this in Philippians 1 verse 12. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served the advancement of the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul becomes a hero. He's in chains. And guess what? The Christians are not hiding in a, in a basement somewhere. Fearing from their lives, saying, come, Lord, rescue us. They're out in the city squares. They're out in the, in the center places and begin to preach that these are idols made with human hands and there's only one God and you cannot get hit through him through anything else or the mother of heaven or through this or for that. There's only one way to the Father and it's through Jesus Christ and you need to repent of your sins and be saved. And they're willing to lay down their life because guess what? My pastor's in prison. My pastor has not denied Jesus. And if he can go through all that he's done, why can I not suffer and count it a privilege to suffer for Jesus? Come on, we need to get back as a church and stop being victims and stop blaming our government and blaming everyone else and have a persecution mindset. And know that greater is he that's in us, all that's happening in us, even the bad things, it works together for our good. Jesus modeled being an overcomer in John 16, verse 33. He said, in this world you'll have trouble, 
but it doesn't end there. But take heart. Turn your neighbor and say, take heart. He said, I have overcome the world. He overcome. Look at Jesus. He walks into Jerusalem on a, not walk, but rode on a new donkey, on a new car. Come on. And they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, and putting palms down, Palm Sunday, beautiful thing. And the next week, crucify him, crucify him. Give us the criminal Barabbas. He had done nothing. What injustice. Jesus, who was a son who served his father and, and did everything his father told him to do, said everything his father told him to do, had every right to look at the father and be, see what happened from serving you? Now I'm going to hang on a cross and get a sword in my side and a crown of thorns and spit on and treat it like the worst criminal and all I've done is good. Talk about injustice. What does Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And guess what? Because of that, all things work together for good. The devil thought that he'd won. Everybody thought they'd wiped out Jesus and the religious powers. But guess what? He went into hell for three days and took back the keys to the kingdom of heaven and rose on the third day. Come on, 40 days later, he rose and ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he raised us up. To sit together with him. All things work together for good. Jesus in a moment could have said, Father, rescue me. Father, judge this sinful people. And the host of heaven would have come at a moment in his cry. But he was willing to endure hardship as a good soldier, like Paul said, because of the result that it would come. And God forbid we ever have to do that. I don't want to pray to be shipwrecked. I don't want to be left at sea. I don't want to be stoned and left for dead. I, Paul's resume, he can have it. Come on. You win, Paul. But do we go through things that might not be the same, but as the world is changing, we may end up suffering a little bit. We may, may have to make a stand for our, our, our salvation, but don't be a victim. Don't get angry at God because you don't have the extra zero in your bank account. Don't be angry at God because someone else got promoted. Don't be angry at God because of, of what's happening in your life, because of your decisions. Yeah. Or maybe it's not your decision. It's just we live in a fallen world. Don't be a victim. Be a victor. And the only way you die a victim is if you put the nail in your own coffin. I'm giving up. I'm leaving church, that church. And you leave to what? Nothing. How many of you leave their community, they leave their family, and they have nothing? There's times we leave, there's times we're sent out, but we're sent to something else. I was sent out from Singapore to build a church here. Are you here? When When I quit my job, it's because I got another promotion, I'm getting promoted. It's not to be unemployed. Are you here? Don't be a victim. The only way the story ends as a victim is when you put the nail in your own coffin. But come on, in the midst of hardship, if you say the story hasn't ended yet, if I hadn't had victory yet, if I haven't overcome yet, come on, the story is not being over. Come on, it's a testimony being written, and God will get all the glory. We keep moving on. But pastor, you don't understand my story. We've all got a story. We live in a fallen world. I'm not saying that to make it, Lightly and disclaimer here, if you just went through a crisis, we love you. We're here to help you. We're, the church is a hospital. But don't live in something that happened 25 years ago. 
Don't live in something that happened 10 years ago. Don't live in something that happened five years ago. Come on, get healed, get restored. And that's the power of the gospel. I've seen people that have been abused. Terrible tragedies, things that have happened, and they stand up, and as they share, it's like it never happened because of the restoring work of God. That is the testimony of Jesus. Come on. In John 4, verse 4, he says this, you dear children are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's not just talking about the devil. That's talking about anything in this fallen world that comes against you. Paul knew his position. Paul had the right perspective. He knew he was seated in the heavenly places. He wasn't a prisoner of Rome. He was a prisoner for Jesus. And he knew that Jesus was using him as an example because he didn't deny Christ. And boldness was coming. And he had a captive audience because the future leaders of Rome were the centurion soldiers that were his guards. And he got to preach to them every day. Colossians 3 verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Put your mind on God. Put your mind on his word. Don't look at the circumstances that get involved in grumbling, complaining, and negativity. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We got to renew our mind because our whole culture and society makes us a victim. And somebody's job is to help us. Somebody's job is to get us out. But it says as we begin to renew our mind, what, to be a victor, what will happen? You will be able to test. You will be able to prove what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Let's not live as victims as Christians. I'm tired of Christians being victims. Let's not be a victim and we show up to connect group and we fold our arms and we're like, well, I'm, I'm here. You should be happy that I just showed up. Come on, preach to me, preach to me, preach to me. Come on, make me happy, make me happy. Give me attention, give me attention. Mm. Don't have that mentality. Can you imagine we all show up like that? Can you imagine we all show up to church like that? I had a hard week. I don't want to be served. I don't want to serve. I want to serve. And everyone comes with that mentality. We'd have no lights this morning. The church would be dirty. We'd just all come in. You need to serve me. If you don't, I'm a victim. Don't come out with that mindset. Yeah, do we have a bad week? Sometimes we do. But let's encourage people. Let's come in and encourage each other. Come on, let's let's praise and worship and, and get out of our, the, the, the dirt and the things that society puts on us and life puts on us and get free. Amen. Come on. When I move my body, the darkness flees. Some of us are like, come on. Jalise is up there. She's got her new dreads like swirling around. Come on, look at those braids. Sorry, not dreads, braids. Sorry. Lavender braids, come on, looking beautiful this morning. I thought it was the lights. I was like, what? Come on. When I move my body. She's been doing that since 9 a.m. We got out of bed at 10.30 and we can't move our foot. And then we blame, well, I didn't feel the anointing. That church ain't got no anointing. Come, the anointing's there. Get in the anointing. Get in the river. The river is there. Get in free. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on. Focus on the positive. Focus. Don't live as a victim. Jesus has already rescued you. 
What do we need to do? We, what do we need to do? We need to realize and, and begin to not live as a victim. Sometimes it begins innocently. How does it begin? Maybe we grew up in a family where our parents were victims. They, well, I didn't have enough education. I didn't have enough money. I was the youngest child. And, all, and what happened? We start having this mindset. It comes in subtly into us. Maybe you didn't know the Lord and you assumed blaming others was just part of life because we always... Blame people, and, and it's become a habit in your life. Maybe you didn't know that Satan's trying to program you to be a victim because you can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. But we need to get order. We need to come in line with the kingdom of God because in the kingdom of God, come on, we're in this world. We're not of this world. We're not of this system. We're not a victor. We're victors. And let me tell you, you will always end up being a victor, if not in this lifetime, but the life to come. But the promises is in this lifetime too. David said, I didn't see the righteous bake for bread. He, he, the, the righteous God will always come through. Why is Jesus coming back? To rescue his people. To rescue Israel. The Messiah will come and he'll come on a white horse. He'll be riding to bring justice. But justice belongs to God. But we trust God because we've read the end of the story. Many of us, maybe this morning you realize that in a lot of areas, maybe your thinking has been a victim mindset. Maybe you can look at people around you. Don't go to them and say, you're, you're a victim. Pastor nailed you this morning. Come on. <laughs> That's not what this is. That's not the heart of what, it, what this is about. But let's, let's build a church where we have a no victim zone. Yeah. Come on, let's build a connect group. There's a no victim zone. Come on. And yeah, you can come to hurting. If you're here, you're visiting and you're broken. You're, we love you. Come on. We're not expecting you to have a, be a victor if you're broken, but get healed. There's healing in the presence of God. There's love. There's restoration in the presence of God. But don't stay where you're at. I was talking to someone last week, and they're dealing with, struggling with mental health. And I began to talk to them and said, well, let's believe God for healing. And they asked me, they said, well, I'm on disability. I can't work. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, let's believe you can get a job and you can work and you can. And they, and they said this, and it, it shocked me a little bit. They said, but if I start working, making money, I'll lose my disability. And it shocked me. And that's, I was like, the victim, because if I stay where I'm at, even though I have to struggle, it gives me a power. People have to support. People have to. And, and thank God for systems like that. Thank God we live in a country. There's some countries, I've been to some countries, that's it. If your family don't help you, you're homeless. Thank God for the system, even though it's abused sometimes, but thank God we have a system that's set up to help people that are struggling. But it's to help people to get back on their feet. Come on, you could be in a wheelchair and you're, you're on disability, but believe God can pull you out of that wheelchair. And that you can prosper and you can function in life and you can be more prosperous than you are. Not just having enough to survive as a victim, but being a victor. But sometimes we don't want that healing. Why? Because we lose power. We lose sympathy. The people, one, jumped in the water to be healed, but the rest stood there where they were at. Why? Because people would walk by and give them money. They're still doing okay. You know, and I'm not here to get political, but some of the homeless people out there are making a lot of money because people are generous. Some of them, I read a statistic, some of them are making $600 a day. Don't think about being homeless. Some of you are like, oh my God, that's more than I'm making. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying, but 
God just, that's not God's plan for us. God wants us to prosper. God wants us to be healthy. God wants us to be an example. But maybe in your mindset, maybe things have happened. Maybe you're living in the past. Maybe you're holding power over that person that has hurt you. I know some people, and they're, they're upset. That person jilted them. That person wasn't faithful to them. But that person's moved on, married another woman, and has three kids with that woman. And it was 20 years ago. It's time to move on. God wants, God loves you too and wants you to be happy. Don't blame that person. God's the judge. But get healed. Move on. Don't, not every man's like that. Not every woman's like that. Don't get into the stereotype of things. If you had church hurt, you're watching online, get back into a family. We can't fulfill the word of God if we're not connected to a local church. The commandments of God are in the church. I'm not going to preach that today. But, but we need to be connected. God's idea is to be a part of the body. How do we overcome the victim spirit? Maybe we, we see that we're struggling. Let me suggest you a few things we do. Number one, repent of living as a victim. We need to repent before God because he's made us victors. How do we do that? Jesus, forgive me for blaming others. We come before Jesus and say, forgive me for being selfish, forgiving me for dwelling in hurt. Forgive me for my own actions or my words that have caused things to happen to me. First of all, we repent because when we repent, it breaks power of that working in our life. The second thing we need to do is we need to renounce the lifestyle. What do we say? We say, Jesus, I don't want to live as a victim. I don't want to function as a slave to, to a demonic spirit that's influencing my life and keeping me in a place of defeat. And what do we do? Take authority in the name of Jesus. I command this victim spirit to lead my life. I'm no longer going to be a victim. This day I'm choosing to be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm choosing to allow God to guide me in my life. And from this day I'm going to start walking in victory. Make a decision to renounce it. Then what do we need to do? Thirdly, forgive those that contributed to you. Maybe it's your parents. God, I forgive my parents. They did the best they could. Forgive them. I forgive them for influencing me this way. I forgive those that have hurt me that caused me to feel this way. Forgive. And forgive yourself. Sometimes we contributed. And that's the hardest thing sometimes is to forgive ourselves. Why do we, many times we don't want to take responsibility? Because it, it's a, an awakening that we are responsible for where we're at. But it's okay. Forgive others. Forgive yourself. Say, God, forgive me. And God, I choose to forgive myself. And when you forgive, what does it do? It releases the agreement with the person, the soul tie that could be there that's tying you to generational things. It, it releases you as you forgive yourself. Come on, it's a fresh start. When forgiveness comes, what happened? All things have passed away. Come on, that was, that was 2022. That was, might have been 2021 and 2020, but 2023, it's victory. I'm moving towards victory. Come on, I'm moving forward. What do we have to do? We have to come before God and ask God for forgiveness. Renounce the lifestyle and say, no more. Forgive those that contributed, forgiving ourselves. And then finally, number four, make a choice to say, I'm going to be a victor. I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Come on. As we place our hands in the, in, the, in the hands of God, our life in the hands of God, that what do we believe? We're now seated in the heavenly places with Christ. I'm not going to stay in a victimization. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Far above principalities, powers, rule of darkness. I am an overcomer. It's so simple. That's the 
thing that Jesus has prepared. He made a way for us. But what do we have to do? We have to rise up in our will. Rise up and begin to take responsibility for our life and look to God to help us and He will help us. He's the God and where help does come from. Amen. So let's begin to do that. I want every head to be bowed. Just forget about the person on your left or right. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. Let's come before God right now. Come on, open your mouth. Begin to talk to Him. Come on, ask Him the Holy Spirit to show you. Holy Spirit, what way and what area have I been living as a victim? I come before you right now. Holy Spirit, begin to speak to me. Begin to show me. Right now, in the name of Jesus. And then begin to do this. Say, I choose right now. I ask you, God, to forgive me for being a victim. Forgive me for living in a victimization in this area of my life. God, I come before you. I ask you to forgive me. Come on, just begin to ask right now for forgiveness right now in the name of Jesus. Forgive us, God, for grumbling. Forgive us for complaining. Forgive us, God, for coming into that, that mindset of a victim, God. Come on, right now we renounce. Come on, just begin to say, I renounce victimization. I renounce grumbling. I renounce complaining. I renounce depression and oppression over my life. I renounce being held in my past right now. I renounce it right now. I declare every spirit of victimization that's been holding me back. Your power is broken right now by the finished work of Christ on the cross. We thank you right now. It is broken. It is broken in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is over against you. We declare it's broken broken over our lives. It's broken over our bloodline. It's broken over our family in the name of Jesus. We're not staying here as victims. We're moving forward into victory in the name of Jesus. And right now, just if God's showing you people that contributed and just say, God, I choose to forgive, I release them right now. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a pastor or a leader. Say, God, I choose to forgive them and I release them right now. Release them right now. I say, what's well, hard? Release them right now. Release judgment against them. Release being tied to that incident in the past. I choose to forgive. I release. Come on, you're watching online. Just say, I choose to forgive. I release them right now in the name of Jesus. I release them right now in the name of Jesus. We break every soul tie right now in Jesus' name. We break every mental tie to the past the feelings of hurt, the feelings of shame. We break its power right now, right now in the name of Jesus. And we release the power of forgiveness in Jesus' name. And sometimes the hardest thing, friends, is to forgive ourselves. Just say, I choose to forgive myself. The part I played, I release myself right now in Jesus' name. Just lift your hands, just receive that forgiveness. Right now, in Jesus' name, we thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Every demonic influence, every tormenting spirit is broken right now. The blood of Jesus is against you. Every shame goes right now. Perversion goes. Lack, poverty goes right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, just begin to thank Him. I receive forgiveness. Come on, begin to thank Him. It's a new day. It's a new day in my life. It's a new day in my family. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Come on, just stay in that place a little bit more. Thank you, Jesus. I just hear the Lord say, it's okay. It's okay. You didn't know any better. It's okay. God forgives you. Forgive yourself. Forgive others that contribute. Come on. Freedom comes 
through the power of forgiveness. It breaks the tide that holds us back. We thank you, God, for forgiveness. We thank you for healing coming right now. Heal the mind, Lord. Heal the emotions. Thank you for that healing coming right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We take authority of every tormenting spirit, tormenting God's people right now. We break its power, break its power. We declare freedom. We declare liberty coming right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And finally, we make a choice. We say, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I'm going to be a victor in Jesus' name. I want you to pray this. Say, Father, I thank you for setting me free. I am not a victim, but I am a victor. I'm your son and your daughter. I thank you for setting me free, for restoring me, for placing me in a place of authority, in a place where I am free. I'm no longer a victim. I declare I am a victor. I have victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Come on, begin to thank Him for victory over your life. Oh, we declare victory.